Are you tired of using Google Drive or Dropbox to send files to clients? Well, never get burned again with FilePass. I love and use FilePass exclusively for sending files to my clients. It's a cloud file sharing website specifically made by engineers for engineers. It's absolutely amazing. Go to mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash FilePass to check out the full feature list and subscribe today. Never lose another dime to burned projects. Happy mixing, my friends, and enjoy the show. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Welcome back to the Mixing Music Podcast. I am your host, DK. And with me, as always, is Guapo Luis. What is Guapo? Handsome. I knew it. Guapo <laughs> Luis. It doesn't even rhyme. No alliteration. Uh, someone on... Uh, oh, it's your mom on the Instagram chat that said that. <laughs> Oh shit! It really is. Hold on, you gotta show the camera now. You gotta show the camera. We're that's live streaming on Instagram, and someone's like, "Que guapo, Luis." What? Yeah, that means what? What handsome Lou? No, it's like what? Like what handsome Luis? Ah, which said in my voice makes it creepy. Uh, yeah, that's that's yeah. so fu- the fact that it's literally your mom that just makes me laugh. Uh, it's, it's like the fun. ultimate your mom joke. Yeah, except it's, it's like real. My mom and it's, thinks it's like I'm really handsome. nice, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny is she cut my hair yesterday. Oh, yeah. it does Aww. look nice. Oh, yeah. Guapo yeah. Luis. I was telling uh, the interns today when I came in, everybody noticed the haircut. They're like, damn. I'm like, yeah, normally I'm Lou. Today I'm sexy. Guapo Luis. Guapo Luis. Uh, and uh, okay, so today's a good episode of the podcast. We're hoping to keep it kind of succinct and short. Um, is the idea and the concept of finding your sound and what that means. Yeah, let's get into uh, it. Before off mic, off show, Lou, Lou mentioned, I said, we should talk about this. And he's like, cool. And then Lou said, I don't know if I've exactly found my sound, which I replied with, that's perfect. I think there's more that we could talk about then. And there's more that we can contribute to this conversation. Um, let's talk about this. 
All right, Lou. Uh, usually I like to start off with asking you the questions as we kind of dive into things. I mean, that makes you a great host. Kind of set direction, right? Uh, (laughs) Thank you, thank you. Um, Lou, you recognize when you listen to other people's mixes Mm -hmm. on Spotify or title or whatever the heck. I'm a title guy. Okay. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. Hey, I want to pay you per play more. Okay, uh, but uh, when you're listening to other people's mixes, do you find that the engineers that you're listening to um, have a sound sometimes? Yes, um, you can kind of hear it in like. I, I guess when I mean, when if you're you know able like to prefer one engineer over another, that means you kind of identify their sound. sound. Yeah. yeah, and when you start noticing, it's like it's not necessarily that they're like bassier or anything. It's like I really like how they do their s's. I really like how their snares are really loud and they seem to poke out the mix, but they're not really transient. Yes, like I've noticed. You, yeah. you, you start picking out little details about what they do. Like, for example, something what we talked about in the past is, is I think Mandy Mariquin is kind of um, an interesting engineer to study. His because S's are pretty loud. Yeah, well, that specifically on some of the songs. But I think he's one of the most interesting to study because I think he has the least amount of consistency tonally. Yeah. I yeah. mean, if you think about, like, he mixes John Mayer and then goes into Post Malone yeah. and then goes into Charlie Puth. Yeah. And then recently did, um, was it... Was it Drake? Yeah, Drake's like a major Oh, that's right. You're right. He did. Or yeah. or who was it? It was usually no, no, no. I think I think you're right on that. And it was somebody else too. Um also uh who does Oh, Kendrick's album. Wait, he, he did, did like, Kendrick? Yeah, he did most of Kendrick's album. Usually it's Ali. But in this mm-hmm. instance it was it was uh it was Manny Mariquin. Um very different sounding records across the board. I mean, consistent through the album, but um, I think he's very interesting to study because his sound is not a tonal thing with loud drums and lots of brightness. I think his sound is the is very creative, like especially if we compare it to Serban Ganea's mixes. Yeah. Who are, who's are like so clean and so right and so nice to the point where like Manny's sound is clean but with lots of character. That's how I describe it. Where Serban is like so clean yeah. that it almost doesn't have any character. So I would put Bob into that same Manny category where like Bob has a kind of a sound of his own. It's very clean, but it's also very overdriven in a clean way. If you ever notice like when his choruses hit, they like distort a little in a pleasant way where it's like, oh, it just kind of hits you in the face. But yet when you look at his dynamics, it's all like one sausage fest. Like he somehow knows how to get things loud without getting things louder. So this is important. I think this matters more in the later years of your career. Yeah. I would say after the first five years, five yeah. plus years of your mixing career, this matters more. Um, same with production and stuff. Because I think it's very, very important for everybody, producers, songwriters, engineers, to not only continually do things that are out of your comfort zone, mm-hmm. um, to expand your palette and your discovery for your sound. That should be something continuous. That doesn't ever end, your, yeah. your discovery for your own sound. Um, but at the same time, slowly it starts to naturally develop because there's a reason why some of your clients hire you instead yep. of other engine. Like I literally have clients that have voiced to me for this song, I want you to mix it, but they actually have somebody else mix some of the other the songs. The next song, yeah. Yeah, and... And they come back to me later. And yeah. I've heard many, because it's, it's because I mix it in a certain 
aggressive way, and, and I can describe my sound a little bit later, but in a specific way that they like. And th- this is like the craziest thing ever. Because of my portfolio, mm-hmm. they've, they've said out loud, I came to you because I listened to your portfolio, and I can imagine what this song is going to sound like after you touch it. Yeah. Which is one of the reasons it's important to have a portfolio. And if you're an artist looking to hire an engineer, that's a great way of looking at portfolios is imagining what, he- what your song is going to sound like after they touch it. Oh, yeah. um, so, so this is interesting. The fact is, there's typically enough pattern or consistency between mixes from the same engineer mm-hmm. that we're able to determine which, who, whose mixes I like more yeah, and who mixes, whose mixes I like less. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not, I, don't, I don't think it's healthy for us to talk about whose mixes we don't like, and I'm sure many audience members are very, very interested. I'm sure there's a lot of people that don't like mine. I, I will say something like the only one that I can say because their recent mixes I like a lot more, mm-hmm. but I used to extremely dislike mix by Ali's mixes. I actually did did not like him as a mixer at all. I thought he was one of the worst for especially for someone so professional. Mm-hmm. But in the last few years, he's changed my mind. Like he's actually gotten a lot better. I don't know what happened mm-hmm. or if, if someone called him out on his bullshit or whatever. Uh, yeah. But I think his recent stuff is is very good. Yeah, honestly. So I, that's the one thing, that's the one person I'm going to say was bad because he's now, I don't think he's bad anymore. Yeah. <laughs> honestly speaking, like, I understand the notion because there was a lot of mixes, like, how can I put this? They were a bit harsh in the past. I don't really hear that anymore. Um, and for me, a harsh mix is when I start kind of getting like, mm, it might have been characteristic, but you couldn't find a way to keep that character without so much of the abrasiveness. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah it's yeah. interesting. Everybody has patterns, and we hopefully we, we support each other and learn from each other. Whether the, you think that their sound is good or not, there's something you can learn from it. For example, someone that tends to mix harsher, usually their mixes are louder than yours. Yeah, to be and honest. That's, that's, the, that's the thing you're going to learn. Sometimes you find out that and that's one pe- sometimes when you're mixing lose. for people, yeah, sometimes when you're mixing for people and you think, oh, their rough mix is really harsh, and then you turn it in, they're like, I feel like mine was louder, though. It's like, you might want to add that harshness back. And depending on the priority, yeah, that harshness is the reason why they pick their mix and not yours. Yeah, I've had that happen in the past where... Me too. Um, I won't say what track, but it was a track featuring uh, Jeremiah on it. Um, and I was like, ooh, a Jeremiah feature. Because at the time, and still to this day, like the main artist on the record was it still isn't as relevant as Jeremiah, so I was more doing it for the feature. Um, but... Mine had way more punch. The kick was hitting harder. The bass was fuller and thick, and like it was, it was honestly speaking, like A B difference to like maybe another engineer. It was great, but the rough was so rough that I couldn't take it seriously, in my opinion. But what I failed to note was, yo, know, that harshness is part of its sound, though. Like they mm-hmm. actually had an intended sound, and I moved away from it. So part of finding your sound too is understanding how your sound plays a role in other people's own unique sound like are you a chameleon type are you a type that has a unique kind of structure to the way you like your mixes to sound and you don't really deviate too much from that because you kind of have i guess you could say this marketable tone um what is it kind of like what we were talking about okay cool manny american being a chameleon is great but he's also very uniquely himself too 
Like some of his stuff doesn't sound as good as other things. But you could tell it was his. But yeah, it, but it's like it's character, not bad. Exactly. Because you know that when he makes his Charlie Puth, that shit sounds so good. Yeah. And if he's able to do that, that yeah. means he made this sound a little bit worse on purpose. And sometimes or because it's of the source A&R. material. And sometimes it's politics too. Yeah. Sometimes it's source material where it's like, we recorded this record. It's like, you know, these vocals were recorded kind of rough. Like it's going to take a lot of work to get them to sound better. It's like okay, but we can't get the person back in the studio. Like, they don't want to do it anymore. Like, we, you know, we may not be able to accommodate any more recording for this record. So you just got to work with what you got. You know, sometimes it's quite literally source material issues. But... And and like I said, I mentioned slightly, sometimes it's politics where... Or yeah. In most bigger situation, bigger label situations, you're not only talking to the engineer and the artist... Yeah. And potentially producer and mastering engineer, you're also talking to the A and R. Everybody's feeding through the A and R. Yeah. So like the A and R is approving the mix and the A and R is hiring the master engineer. So it's yeah. it's it's this thing where uh sometimes it's politics and you get said no or someone prefers something else or they, they give you a stupid revision request because of politics. And that sucks. That sucks the most. Um but that's not I think that most engineers do not. Um, have to deal with those politics, and that's <laughs> most think, people don't work yeah. with labels. I would say, yeah. Honestly speaking, like the the idea of finding your sound helps you more with the underground and independent market more than it does with the label market. I would honestly argue. Main reason is there's a lot more independent work to go around than there is label work. Now, when label work is found, yes, there's a ton of artists getting signed every year, but that doesn't mean they have like the biggest budget for the biggest uh, engineers. And so there is a lot of work for independent uh, engineers who aren't part of a production house or anything to be involved, sure. But let's be honest, I could probably throw a rock and hit a hundred independent artists before I hit a label one, you know? So finding a way to actually serve a, a demographic in that market is partly because of your sound. And I don't know about you, but for me, and, and this is, um, I most of my income comes with independent artists. Yeah. like, And I don't know about you, but I, I prefer For that. me, it used to be mainly label, but that's because I was working with one, maybe two artists at a time. Like, I didn't, uh, to this day, I still don't take on too much work because the, the work that I take on is still very relationship-based. Um, I don't... I, I don't want to say I don't market myself because I obviously market myself, but I don't over market myself to the point where I'm constantly taking on new clients or taking on new work because I have to finish what's in front of me first. Yeah. And usually that's because the artists that I work with, because I've met some of them through my label work or they're kind of used to that workflow, they're like, yo, we need to record these five songs, six songs. And so we're not done until that project is done. So I'm, I'm very project based versus single based. Yeah. Um, but with that said, like it used to be a lot more label money that I was dealing with, and in those cases, like you're right, it's usually the A and R. Usually, the artist is lucky if they get their way with the record, because at the end of the day, they're being financed, and because of that, it's not their record. Yeah, yeah. it is, but it isn't. You know, it's it's all, yeah. it's all, all it's all crazy again, politics. Um, but let's let's kind of re- review what we've talked about. First off, um, I think it, we, we kind of mentioned it briefly, but I want to reemphasize it, is that it's okay. Do not force your sound. Do not try to create a sound. I think it comes to you, and it's, it's honestly based off of, and it should be based off of personal preference. Yeah. Um, and 
once you kind of get used to create habits and you like the sound of certain records and you kind of you discover sounds by listening to other sounds mm -hmm. and then trying things and discovering that you like that too. Yeah. Um, for example, if a metalheads mix a pop song, they're going to naturally mix that pop song to be stylistically similar to metal. Metal. Yeah. Because that's what they prefer. Yeah, they might actually lend a tonality from the metal side of music and apply that to your kick, and it may still hit hard. It, they may still say, "Oh, that's bassier than I normally do it," but it's still probably going to be a lot tighter than somebody who deals with hip hop normally. And and one real case study of that in the modern day is that most pop mixes mm -hmm. are being mixed by R&B hip hoppers yeah like mixers so that's why most pop music has heavy drums and bass and 808s yeah. also not just the mixer but the producer as well usually yeah. the producer also does hip hop and whatever so it, it could be a Charlie Puth pop song but he's so influenced by hip hop as well that all of a sudden there's there's those characteristics that slowly shine in both the production and the mixing stage. Yeah, like if you notice, like contemporary pop music, uh, let's say like uh, contemporary pop R and B would be kind of like Keisha's Lane, where like if you notice like uh, her producer Ron Fair, most of the ro songs that Ron Fair is involved with, like most of her big hits, aren't actually like heavy drums or anything. In fact, they have large sounding drums, but they don't actually consume the mix. Like, that's actually not the focal point of the mix. It's usually, like, the strings, the melodies, the piano, the guitars. It's always something else. But, like, imagine if they were to now do, like, a trap song. Yeah. It's not going to hit the same. It's not going to be bad. Like, technically speaking, it may still sound great, but it's not going to sound the same. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and uh, the, the second thing that I want to mention, the second point is, uh, you, you kind of briefly mentioned this, is... is um, you're going to have to deal with many different sounds. Yeah. From the sound of the artist to if, if like, let's say if everybody's involved, right? The sound of the, mm -hmm. the artist, the songwriter, the vocal producer, the recording yep. engineer, the, the beat producer, the instrumentalist, the guitar player, mm -hmm. uh, the mixing engineer, the mastering engineer, the A&R. You're going to have to learn how to deal with everybody's unique sounds and be able to um, figure out. So the cool thing is that people are going to, and this is why I like working with an, in, an independent level more mm -hmm. is because there's a lot more freedom to be creative and a lot more room to wiggle in mm -hmm. a lot more room to wiggle in wiggle room i mean you can <laughs> you can wiggle in the room if you want. <laughs> like it's it's not the most comfortable thing to do for hours but. yeah so uh, i think uh anyway uh, that's one of the reasons why i like independent artists there's a lot more creative freedom and ability to express myself where i mm -hmm. have a lot more freedom to say you know f your rough mix like jason joshua says and and i can rightly do so i can rightly it's up to me yeah and uh, i like that and and most of my clients also like that they're yeah. coming to me for that um but that being said like again the second point is um being aware that everybody has a sound yeah. and everybody has preferences and and your job as a mixer is only a small part Mm -hmm. of the entire process and you cannot have pride with your sound and demand that your sound is is prioritized over every other position that was yeah. involved you just can't do that it's it's it's, in a, it's it's stupid dumb and and selfish my favorite saying has been uh you know the artist's name is in the front mine's in the back yes consider albums yes yeah and uh, I, I think that that's important to note and to also be aware of. Yeah, Lou, you let's talk a little bit about what you're saying. Why did you, Why did you say that you you don't think you have a sound quite yet? 
Um, because I don't really focus on my personal desire to have it sound one specific way. Rather, I do what's best for the artist's confidence in their record and what I also think is going to do best for the record. It's it's more of a combination of sounds than it is one person's sound. For instance, like if I'm working with Selena, uh, Elise, like uh, her record around me, she loved the mix. I still think I could have maybe not gone as hard on the limiter and all that but she loved the way it sounded she liked that it was aggressive this and that and i'm like cool now if i wanted to push harder on it and voice a little more of my tone into it it probably would have sounded a little different but it wouldn't be serving the artist um and i think in the process of doing that for so long i've kind of found myself not being able to say well how bright do you like your hi hats well, i don't know yeah i i really don't know uh, but i know what it sounds right and if somebody told me I've noticed your mixes are more like this, it's probably something I haven't taken into account myself. I mean, and I could speak on your behalf, having listened to many different mixes from various different generations of Lou. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like uh, time periods. Lunarations. Lunarations, there you go. Um, is, uh, yeah, I don't think, it's interesting. I can tell from your sounds that you are very customer service forward minded. Cool. You do a really good job. I feel like you do a really good job catering to the needs of the song and to the clients. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there's times where you have a sound, but I think your sound is more based on genre mm -hmm. and like, cause like your R and B tracks tend to be similar. Your hip hop tracks don't sound like your R and B tracks, but they tend to be similar with other hip hop mm -hmm. tracks, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yeah, there's enough of a difference with everything. It's interesting, um, and I the fact the fact that I'm able to like kind of word describe in words what I'm hearing as well is is that that is the sound right? Okay. Uh, but yeah. it's interesting because you said you think that you don't have a sound. And I think that that's important to bring up. Um, do you think that that is a benefit? Is that good for you, or is that do you think that you want to have a song? I think it's a good thing because I think one of the things that you said is very true in the way that I've always kind of focused my business, which is service oriented business where I came from service industry. I did sales and all that. So I also know what it is to like be the one making the pitch and closing and all that. And that's cool. But, um, at the end of the day, I'm getting hired to work on somebody else's record and it's not my own. If, if it was my own and it was my production and I thought, Hey, this should not be like this then cool. I'm the one in control, but I'm not the producer of this record. I'm not the artist that's putting their name in front. You know, like I said, um, my name goes on the back. If I'm lucky nowadays, you get credited. You know, I don't even have equity in the long haul unless they're offering me equity in the long haul, you know. But with that said, I want to do what's right and best for the artist. So sometimes when I'm listening to reference tracks that they send me and everything or when they say like, oh, I feel like it could be a little darker. My voice could be a little bit backer. I'm not fighting it. It's not my record. And because of that, I don't necessarily look to make it like that's a Lou mix. I want it to be as best as possible within their vision. Yeah. And I think on that note... Um, I'm a little bit more aggressive mm -hmm. where because um, people usually come to me for my creative input. Mm -hmm. And so my sound is aggressive, like meaning that um, if they if it's calling for it and if they want me to and typically they do. Yeah. And if I were to go all out, uh, the rough sounds 
pretty different from the from, from the, the finish final. from final, yeah. and that's part of my sound. Mm-hmm. Typically, if I have to, I mean, you could describe it too. But if I had to describe it, usually transients, drums, and vo- like vocals are always pristine. My vocals yeah. are always the highlight for everybody's feedback. Uh, vocals are very important. I'm a vocalist myself, um, and typically the drums. Yeah, like transient. Like I notice you have a, a smoother mid, like oh, very yeah, totally, pop R and B. I'm more, yeah, yeah. Tonally, I'm more like mid dip. Yeah, well, I don't like a harsh mid range. I will say, I guess if I did have a sound from my vocals, would be like a little more mid forward. Like I noticed that I have like a little bit more going on around like five, six hundred hertz. Not all of while, your songs. I've heard a couple of yeah. your songs that were like. And, and and that's what the song needed was like a little bit more Chris Brownie, yeah. Where it's like less mid range and more just that top end. I've heard a few yeah. of your songs where you've done that, and so that's why I said that. I think, I think at your default, it's a little bit more of that low mid mid range yeah. stuff. But I've heard mixes where it's just like, wow, this is the same person, and it was your <laughs> mix. Good, call me, uh, man, Manny Lewican. <laughs> That sounds like more like Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, I thought that was more of a Star Wars. (laughs) Manny Lewikin. I don't know. But yeah, like honestly speaking, like the thing I've noticed more about yours is it's that kind of like smoother California sound. Um, Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, versus like that East Coast New York, very mid forward, um, like kind of ear catching kind of thing while this is more like soothe but pretty ear catching we didn't we never even mentioned the sound of the natural tendencies of regions within the same country east and west coast like there's southern mixes there's northern mixes there's west and east coast and And, and that's also a lot of it's based around culture and genres that are popular yeah exactly like like drill music is very mid forward and that's uk right so countries there's a lot like we've talked about many times before different countries have different sounds yeah uh, Japan is very wildly different, and, and in fact, the opposite tonalities of of uh, America. Like I remember, we I, I don't know if you were there, I, but I do remember a conversation with Bob Horn where he was talking about doing Chinese mixes, where it's like, oh yeah, don't touch their s's. They they love their sibilants. It's like really, like yeah, out here people just don't want too. it. Yeah, it's like a lot out here. You usually hear people like, oh yeah, tame those s's. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think that. Yeah, never mind. I'm not gonna talk about what I said. I thought, uh, but let's. Uh, I think that's it. I think that's important. Um, there's yeah. regional sounds as well. I think getting familiar with different sounds. I think most people understand understand that there are sounds and people are able to recognize them. Mm-hmm. I think the last thing that I want to mention is the importance. Uh, this is a thought that I have. If you're able to, if you listen to music a lot, and you're able to determine that you like this song, mm-hmm. the, the sounds in this song, more than the sounds of another song, mm-hmm. then you have the skills to be a mix engineer. Yeah. It's interesting. You may not have the skills. <clears throat> wait, wait. You wait, have wait, the discernment. What did I say? You have the what? If <laughs> you have the ability to discern the difference between one mix and another. That as one that you like. and one, If you're able to discern like yeah. versus not like. Yeah. Then you may be able to develop the skill set fairly easier than others that's all it is yeah so like for example you might find out that you prefer brighter mixes yeah but but not too bright but the thing is like when you're mixing you you don't know how to make things brighter without being harsh yeah so that's where the skills come into play yeah but i want to say like again coming back to that like if you're able to discern between songs that you like the sound of and songs that you don't like the sound of 
you have the potential to be a mixer. Yeah. Because that's all it is. And the skill is just being able to get to those sounds. Yeah. That's, that's, I, I think that was a better succinct way of saying that. I think so. Um, yeah, so hopefully that helps. I'm, this, let's, let's talk about our sponsors real quick. Um, thank you. We, we're sponsoring our own episodes. This, is, this episode is sponsored by the Mixing Music Podcast. Do you like our podcast? Well, we have YouTube channels. We have Twitch streams. We have... Exclusive content. Exclusive contents. That's right. Yeah. Where if you like the podcast and want three times the amount of episodes, you can go to mixingmusicpodcast.com forward slash exclusive for $4 a month or $40 a year mm-hmm. for a price of one cup of coffee for a month. You get three times the amount of episodes. And the other two episodes that come out weekly are always technical-based. They're not philosophical where I talk about how to win clients or business. They're always technical-based, how to improve your uh, producing, mixing, mastering. And that's our number one feedback that we keep getting for everybody. More technical, more technical. So here it is for you. Um, Join the other crew. There's a bunch of other people that are joining in. Um, It's really, really great content. Another uh, sponsor is FilePass. If you're interested in file sharing, but um, for engineers, it's really, really great. Uh, you should just look into it. Oh, Go yeah. to mixingmusicpodcast.com forward slash file pass. Lou and I use that always, and you probably know some engineer friends that use it, and we swear by it. Yeah, so check it out. Best deals are always found on mixingmusicpodcast.com. All right. Uh, I think that's kind of it for this episode. I believe so. Uh, I, we want it to be succinct. I think we kind of got through everything. Um, and the one thing, one of the purposes of this podcast is we want people to feel more confident about their their abilities and skills. I yeah. think that at the end of the day, the thing that keeps people from improving is a lack of confidence. Yeah. And the only way that you can become better through becoming more confident is by putting in the time, putting yeah. in the work. Um, when you become more confident, you'll be able to use your ability of discernment to find out what you do like and what you don't like. Yeah. Which will in turn drastically change how much you, how well you mix or how much you feel about your mix. You will start to eventually like your own mixes, believe it or not. Oh yeah, you know, and and um, it, it's at the end of the day, it all comes down to confidence and your ability. Your, so uh, we hope that when you listen to this podcast and these episodes, we instill some form of confidence for you to continue to elevate your art form. Oh yeah, and. If the argument here is, well, I don't have any clients, I'm sure you have a friend that plays guitar or something. Honestly, friends are the best people to actually make mistakes with because they'll never even realize it was a mistake. They're just saying that as a good time together with you. Feel free to expand and try new things. Um, we, Me and DK have friends that we literally produce and record with. We don't make money off of it, but I bet you anything we're trying out some new things. We're trying to see. It's like, well, if it doesn't work, it's not like we're getting fired. <laughs> Let's be honest. Who are they? Who else are they going to go to? Somebody else that does it for free? <laughs> yeah, not in LA at least. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, on that note, happy mixing, my friends, and stay saucy.
Yo, what up? It's DK. Thank you so much for listening to the Mixing Music Podcast. I just want to do a quick plug about Antares and Autotune. Antares makes the original industry standard autotune that we all know and love the sound of. We are sponsored by them, so if you visit mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash autotune, we do get a small kickback from every purchase. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Please enjoy this episode. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 